Welcome to Fear Us Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 142. 142 in the house, dropping episodes like it's hot. I don't know where oh, I was going I don't know. I don't think that was a... Anyways, all right. I was going to try to flow some more, but I'm like, you know what? Might as well end it there. Hey. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll stop before it gets worse. I, I think quarantine is getting to us. Could be. It's Could funny be. because there's different terms. There's shelter in place. There's stay at home. And there's quarantine. Now, technically, we're not quarantined. No, that no, would no. mean we're sick. Yeah, right. Right? Sure. If we're shelter in place, is that like you don't leave the house? Yeah. And then stay at home is you don't leave the house? Like, what's the difference? It is just like, different. I know what martial law is, and we haven't, we're not even close to martial law. Yeah, that's true. Well, do, you, do you think we are? No. Okay. I'm like, I just, you know, it is what it is. Well, it is what it is, but it's, you know, anyways, it's, it's just interesting because... We, you know, we'll, we'll get on to reselling, but within our own friend group, everybody has different opinions, right? Like we were sharing before, like some people are like, stay home. Others are like, yeah, let's go out there. Like, you know, there's resellers. Some are like, stay home. And other resellers are like, no, go outsourcing. And it's, it's complicated, man. It is complicated. But it's not that kind of comp podcast. No, no, we're not talking about uh, the quarantine today or staying at home. We are talking about uh, if you could kind of restart, if you can get like a fresh start, if you could know what you know now, but back then, what would you do differently? Well, and the only reason I thought we should do this is because it's kind of like a time to reset. Like we had to reset. Yeah. I mean, part of it is, I mean, depending on everybody's situation is different, but you may have more time to, mm-hmm. to kind of reset. And then the other thing too is, um, and I've used this this phrase many times in the podcast, this quote of the week. So I don't oh, want it to quote be of the old, week. Yeah, I know. It's been a long time. All our new listeners are like, what's a quote of the week? All our OG listeners are like, it's been about 60 episodes. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're 142 episodes in, at that point, I'm literally just looking up quotes. It's not like <laughs> generic, like literal things that like are like- something that just came to mind. Yeah. Like things like, hey, this is something I live by. Because if I had like 142 quotes that I lived by that were specifically relevant to what we were talking about each time, like it would be ridiculous. But um, so this one I really like is this idea that the best time to have planted a tree was 15 years ago. The second best time is today. Right. And so you can look back and say like, man, I wish I could have done that differently. I wish I could have done this. But the thing is, if, if, if you don't make changes now, if you don't start, if you, the good thing is to reflect, reflect on, on what you can change and what you could have changed and then say, how can I implement some of these things now? Because you're going to look back five, 10 years from now and say, man, if 10 years ago I would have implemented this or made this change, uh, you'd be in a better place. So time's going to pass one way or the other. So you might as well try and reflect, think back, and then start to implement what you can now that might help you in the future. Yeah. And if you're brand new, this is a great way to learn what you shouldn't do and what you should do. Yeah. If you're just starting out, um, it's, it's crazy to think how far you will be five, 10 years from now if you keep at this. And sometimes like if I think about myself, I've only been doing this for two years and I never thought I'd be where I'm at right now. And so, uh, yeah, you've got to set things in motion early. So that way you're not looking back later saying, man, if only. True. So now we're going to talk about if only. If only. But here's the, and the other reason is a lot of us are in, in different scenarios throughout the country, right? So some of us have had the ability to kind of weather the storm and turn out more profitable, right? Because we had inventory and some of us were able to keep our nine to five, right? I'm not talking about myself. I don't have a nine to five, but some were, some weren't, right? And they were full-time sellers, but they found out that this was sustainable, right? Even during this time. And others are starting to fresh because they were furloughed or they're laid off. I mean, we get tons of DMs all the time now about, 
hey, I'm so glad I started reselling because now it's become my full time, not by choice. But luckily, I was able to step away or I had to step away. But somehow I made it happen. And so it's a, it's a reset on multiple, multiple levels for, you know, in different ways for different people. So, Mike, I'm going to put you on the spot. What is <laughs> so I did text Mike earlier today. I'm like, hey man, let's make sure we're ready to go on this podcast. Yeah, and I thought about it for like a whole 10 seconds. I know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna but I'm gonna think about second, it organically on the 10 podcast. seconds is better than not thinking about it at all. That's true. So, you know, uh and actually we were you know, daily refinement, we were on his podcast, not his podcast, but his show. And this is one of the questions that he asked us, like if we could do things again, where where will we start if we started from scratch? So what is one of the top things you thought about in those 10 seconds? Yeah, so to be honest, I feel like in a lot of ways I did things right because I started really slow. Um, I didn't have goal or ambition right off the bat of like, I am going to, you know, make this a full-time income in the next year. Like I didn't have any timelines. I didn't have any pressure. And that really helped, I think. But at the same time, because I didn't have any pressure and I was kind of able to organically grow, I also didn't anticipate and plan for the growth. And so one of the big things I think that that I would have done differently and, and I wish I could kind of go back and even now um, there's things I could do to kind of fix this, uh, but was having having an, an inventory system that could have gone long term, like something that was scalable. Mm. Uh, and so it's really easy when you very first start to have, you know, one box or one corner of a room where you kind of keep inventory and you can see everything. And as soon as something sells, you just walk over to it. Or, I mean, some of the first things I sold wasn't even, I, I talk about having like a little corner in my garage. Um, I, you know, it was like, I'm going to sell this Kindle that I have. And so it was in my drawer in my junk drawer in my room. Right. And so it's like, Oh, that sold. I just know where to go open the drawer, take it out, pack it and send it. I had some cards, some magic the gathering cards that sold that I had to open up my binder and pull them out. So like, it was really easy because I knew where everything was. Uh, and then I was like, all right, I'm going to be smart now. I'm growing a little bit and I'm going to have, you know, one box with shoes and I'm going to have one box with clothes and I'm going to have one box. And so I thought I was doing it right, but because I didn't know things like, um, the custom SKU yet, and I didn't have a lot of those things set up in place. I my inventory system was really it, it was it wasn't very scalable. It wasn't very comprehensive. And so if I could go back, I think I would have immediately started with a numeric and um, you know alphabet system uh, with boxes and totes that could have scaled and moved uh, instead of saying like, well, now that I've got too many shoes for this box, I'm going to put some shoes in the electronics box or some shoes in the, <clears throat> and then it becomes difficult because you don't know where stuff is. And when you didn't have a custom SKU and I, I could have, I, I thought about making my own and having like a code that I'd put like in the description uh, and, and stuff like that and having an Excel sheet, but it gets really difficult. And so even now I had to, uh, about a, a year ago, almost uh, over the summer, last summer, I moved. And so my whole garage was eBay. We were able to move and we thought, okay, this might be our chance to fresh start, get our inventory set up in a nice, really organized way. But we were also moving our house. I was getting a new job. And so a lot of things was just like the totes, whatever was in there, it went back. A few totes we went through and did custom SKUs for, but I'm still finding things that sell. I'd say probably 60%, 70% of my items have custom SKUs. But 30% were from earlier when I first started. And it's like, what box is that in? Isn't that the worst feeling? I get a dread now. I have, you know, close to 2,200 items, right? So I get major dread, especially if it's a shoe, mm. right? If it's if it's other things. So I have certain things where it's easy to locate. Like, for instance, if I have any kind of video games, they're all in one place, mm. right? But And if it's like a Hawaiian shirt, it's crazy. But all my Hawaiian shirts are in one tote. Well, kind of in that tote. Uh, it's kind of like exploding and I kind of smash it every time I got to put it back. 
but shoes are like in 30 totes. And if you get that one sale, you're like, yes, and you look. I'm telling you, Mike, it is the worst feeling. I mean, it's dread because I know this could either go five minutes trying to find this or it could go a whole two hours before I find that shoe. Yeah, that's rough. I mean, and I know you're using custom SKUs now, but even that, like, it's difficult because let's say you have custom SKUs and you have, you know, boxes labeled, but maybe enough stuff move out of one box and you want to consolidate. And Mm -hmm. I've done that before. It's like, okay, I'm consolidating uh, shelves. And so, for instance, my department 56 stuff, that's fairly easy because it's, you know, you know, they're boxes and you can kind of look on the outside and see what they are. But we had like, you know, close to a hundred items over several different shelves. And as they started selling, it was like, all right, let's move the second shelf up to the, the, the third shelf. But then it's like, okay, this item said two. So then it actually means it's in three and what part of that aisle is. And so your custom SKUs, unless you're willing to go back and change whenever you move boxes, it could still be very challenging. So you have to have some kind of system in place that allows you to move inventory quickly without having to spend hours going back and changing custom SKUs. Yeah, and when I and when we're talking about custom SKU labels, those of you that are new, so if you when you're doing your listing, there's a space that says custom SKU label. Mm. And you just you can put whatever you want on there. Some people put the date that it was purchased, how much it was purchased for. Some people just put the location. Now, if I could reset things, I would make it in a way that if I had a complete stranger show up, not that that would happen, but if I had a complete stranger and I said, hey, I'm going to be gone for a week. When an eBay item sells, I'm just going to text you where it's located. Go find it. That's how I would set it up. And and here's the reason why. So one year when I was a school administrator, we go on this DC trip. So I went on this DC trip and I had somebody back at home helping me out. And stuff sold. And at this point in time, I didn't even have custom skew labels. It was all the totes with shoes were outside in storage sheds. All the clothing were in totes in a certain closet. All their jackets were in another closet. I mean, it was it was crazy. But like I said, the shoes, so I'll never forget. I sold the shirt and she went through. I don't know. She went through like six totes twice. And I felt terrible. Like terrible because I'm like, I know you're trying to help me out and, you know, patience, but it wasn't set up in a way that anybody could just come in and figure it out. Right. And so I really believe if you have a system in place, it has to be something that if you're not there, somebody else could handle. And hopefully it sets you up for success later on, which I'm hoping to that once MUA, the multi-user access account expands on eBay, where you can also do shipping that I'll be able to do that if I have helpers doing shipping. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's really good. I think I think that's a big one. A lot of people wish they can change and it, and it's going to be a process that that you're going to constantly be tweaking, but I just think about that. Like when when you have 10 items, it's really easy and you probably never expect you're going to have 500 items. But when you get to 500 items, you might not be anticipating that you're going to be getting to 2200 items. So the time wherever you're at in your store right now, the time to try and make changes and tighten the ship is now because unless you're planning on completely selling out your entire store and not replenishing items, um, it's just going to get harder and harder as you scale up and, and, and grow as a company. Yeah. And it's a time factor. So for example, I ship twice a day. I ship in the morning, right when the post office opens, I'm there and I drop off stuff. I go home, do some listings, whatever I choose to do. And then I send offers throughout the day. And my offers are always, you know, sending a lower offer for da 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 with payment received. We'll ship out if payment is received by 4 PM Pacific standard time. Right. So I may get an influx of orders at like four o'clock with payment. And I have it set up in a way that it's pretty easy for me to go to my storage unit or go home 
and I could, I've never had a problem where I had too many items that I couldn't pack in time to get dropped off before 5 p.m. at the post office. So it has to be that efficient. And for me to say that, it's kind of weird because I am not the most efficient. It does sound like it, but I do have it down until there is that dreaded, oh no, there's no custom skew for this item, right? So the other thing is I wouldn't store, like if I could reset everything, which I'm getting there, I would not stuff, I not stuff, I would not store stuff in different parts throughout my place. So you wouldn't use your kitchen cabinets? No. Like I'm, for electronics, kitchen cabinets, curio cabinet, hallway closet, upstairs hallway closet, my closet, my boy's closet, down. Uh, I don't know, man. There's just so <clears throat> a lot of this stuff has been moved out. But again, like if if somebody were to come to my house and I said, "Hey, I need you to house it," and when things so, I need you to pack. Like there's there's just stuff. It just would be crazy. It would be like, yeah, lift this teapot here, go buy these DVDs here. And then in that cranny right there, that's where you'll find, you know, that Disney figure. Yeah, it's like when someone gives you directions um, to, to somewhere crazy, like, all right, you're going to drive until you see the, the cactus and then you're going to make a yes, left yes. and then, and then there'll Actually, be a I squirrel do well with landmarks, and you're going to turn right. <laughs> yeah. I do. do you do well with landmark? Are you a landmark or a street person? Like a direction? Like if somebody says, how do I get there? Uh, where you tell somebody, how do I get there? And they tell you, go north this way and then south. Or are you like, hey, make a left at the gas station? Yeah, I I, uh, I definitely am not good direction-wise like that, north, south, east, west. I mean, I know it. I'm I just, not, I just I'm not wanted foolish, to know, that's but, all. But I, uh, I, I don't have the sense for it, whereas my wife does. Like, we could be driving and she'd be okay, like, I feel, she knows I feel which good. way she's going. I'm not alone, yeah. She's like, yeah, we're going southeast right now. And I'm like, I don't even know how you know that. She's got like an inner <laughs> compass. She's like, look at the sun. Yeah. No, well, I mean, if you're driving, though, you can't always see it. It's above you. Like, she just knows. Look at the shadows. She can feel it. (laughs) She can feel it. Deep (laughs) inside. So, I strongly recommend. And the other reason I recommend that, I can't tell you how many times I've had items break for the most most stupid reasons. Like, playing hide and seek with my son. And, oh, you decided to step on something, huh? Or, well, and the hard part, too, is, is, Okay, so I was looking through some of the comments on earlier episodes. I'm just being real. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Um, and, and we had one, I made the comment kind of just poking fun at, at where we live versus where other people oh, yeah, live yeah. and like the, the downfalls of both. And somebody made a comment about, you know, uh, certain parts of the country. It's like, yeah, they've got entire basements or, or places. It's How easy to store stuff. How would that be? But they've only got a couple of months of garage selling and it, it snows all the time. So there's always going to be trade-offs. Mm-hmm. And so for some people, it'll be really easy to have the space um, and and to just easily say like, oh, yeah, I've just got like rooms and racks that I can easily get stuff set up in. But if you're somewhere where that's not possible and if you start small, yeah, you might have things all over your house because it's not that big of a deal. In fact, um, I know a person who they do a lot of like local sales. They do like antique, like furniture and stuff like that. And her entire house is basically up for sale. Like she buys stuff at, at wow. thrift stores or to state sales and she puts them in her house and they become furniture in her house until it sells. And, and, I mean, she's got a shabby chic, really cool looking house and, but it's all furnished with her inventory, but she knows where everything is, you know? So everybody's going to have different models of what it looks like. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you've got to, you got to think you're probably going to scale because, um, it's like the multi tote syndrome. I feel like, like you yeah. start with one toe yeah, and it, it becomes addictive and you just grow and you grow until you've got shelving units. And before you know it, you know, you're renting out warehouses or storage units. Unless your model is something where you're selling through everything all the time. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, there's different models now. Part of that too is, you know, I, I'm thinking about the idea that 
stuff was 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 all throughout the house. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. That's okay. It'll come back to you. No, no, but or it won't. <laughs> no, but it was a, it was a, it was a super important thought. Mm. So stuff is all throughout the house. You don't want to break stuff. Yeah. Oh, a clear, don't forget this time. Uh, uh, don't let it. Don't be distracted. Stop. <laughs> it's, it's such a good thought, and I've talked about this a lot. But man, a cluttered space. Is it cluttered space creates a cluttered mind or something like that? What's yeah, that no, it's that's a legitimate thing. Um, Legit. I can't tell you how happy. No, I'm just not happy because of that. But it's been a month since I've had like a lot of stuff everywhere. And it's been nice. Yeah, I'm, I'll be honest. Like right now, I need to. I'm planning this Saturday coming in into our, our basically our studio slash my my inventory room and getting things organized because it is a total disaster. And it gives me anxiety because when I'm at work, when I'm Right now, I can't be because of of the the stay at home. Is there something going on? Yeah. Um, but my classroom and specifically my desk is like the most organized thing ever. Like there is a place for everything. I open up my drawer. Everything goes in the right. Like there's so much order. And I'm not like a necessarily super ordered person, but it helps. It, it just reduces any anxiety. But right now in my life, because this room is kind of chaotic and being in a fifth wheel, I don't have a place like everything gets shoved in like the little compartments underneath the fifth wheel and in totes. And it's like all my tools are, I have to pull out 10 boxes to get to them. And yeah, when you have clutter, it's just, it can give you anxiety. And so if you're a person who maybe you're, you're in a mess, right. And, and again, like that, that's not, doesn't say anything wrong, but try and get organized. If you can be organized, you'll notice that a lot of anxiety that you might not even know you have just goes away because you can, you're not thinking about anything else. You're not being distracted by anything else. Um, having a blank uh, desk to work on is, is super efficient and effective, which is one of the reasons I even say it. And maybe you can multitask and, and watch some Netflix in the background. I listen to podcasts sometimes while I'm listening or doing things like that. But but having an area where it's like, I just take pictures here. Like this area is where I take pictures. This area is where I box and ship. And then when you're not doing those things, you put that stuff away. It's if you're like use your kitchen table for multiple things. But if you've got your shipping stuff and your picture stuff and where you're listing and you've got some other things on there, it becomes it just causes anxiety. Hundred percent. I, I can't tell you. It was it was pretty bad. And I knew that once we we're gonna be, you know, shelter in place stay at home, if things were still crazy, we were gonna go crazy. And so I actually, it's interesting. I had my uh, housekeeper, house cleaner. I don't know what the exact title is, but she showed up. It's kind of weird. She showed up like a few days before like the lockdown happened. And, you know, that place was immaculate. And I'm like, this is how it's going to stay because I need to keep my sanity. And so some of you are experiencing that right around the house. Right. Right now, it's understandable. Right. You're kind of tired, you, you know, staying at home, you know, and hopefully you've been able to get out and social distance. but. You know, being at home a lot, especially amongst clutter, just can get depressing. So strongly encourage you, if you can reset what you're doing, right? One of the ways is to make sure you keep everything in like one space and, you know, separate your life, mm -hmm. right? You have your normal life, <laughs> which reselling is a lifestyle. So you can't necessarily do that, but you can at least a lifestyle. <clears throat> it is a lifestyle. Like it, it's weird, but you know, it's funny, like people all the time ask, you know, how do you separate, um, what do you, what do you call that life work balance? Is that what it's called? Work life balance. Yeah. That thing. I, I don't think that exists. At least for me, it doesn't. I mean, my work life balance is more, oh, I'm going to do something with my kids. Okay. I'll drop whatever I'm doing and go do stuff with my kids. Like I don't plan it like, oh, I'm going to do this for two hours. It's just whenever. But I that's still a balance. I think, well, to an extent, I mean, I think with the people who would argue that, that, uh, or if they don't have any work life balance, they basically 
can't be with their family without working or they can't be working. You know what I mean? Like they, they don't, they're not able to, to actually have that time designated. Yeah, Maybe no, not no, scheduled. That, that is true. That is true. But I if mean, you can, if you can go spend some time with your kids and not be necessarily working. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. I take my son sourcing with me and he comes to the office when we're packing. So it's like there, there's not always like a clear, like they have to be separated. But then there's also times where it's like, we're going to an amusement park and I'm not listing anything while I'm at the amusement park. I'm just going to spend time with my family. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I get that. I, I will say when I was an administrator, that didn't, that the option wasn't there. It's not like, Hey, I'm going to go expel this kid. Come hang out with me in the office, son. Like that didn't happen. Yeah. Right. But, uh, yeah, but the reason I the reason I say that is keeping separate physical spaces goes a long way if you could reset that. All right. So another thing I would if I could reset everything right now is I would run super lean but but spend money on what's important. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense, but so what I mean is this. When I first started selling stuff, and it feels really nice, right? You sell, you get something for five bucks and you flip it for 50 and you're like, I'll go out to eat, right? I'm going to go to dinner. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy my whatever, you know, I'm going to buy or something or I'm going to, you know, like you think about all these thoughts, right? And the other side is like you go, I personally went cheap on stuff that was for my business. Mm. So... I ran, I, it should have been the, it sounds terrible. It should have been the other way, right? I should have run lean and gone, Hey, you know what? And, and it's up to you. Top ramen for dinner and yeah, I'm I mean, buying it, a new camera. I'm buying a light box. <clears throat> but if, if your ankle is full time, I think it has to be right. I can tell you right now, running lean helped me through the scenario, right? So all my bills are super low. And I've talked about this when you go full time you got, you got to think about that. Like reselling has to cover your bills and more. If it can't cover that, then you're not, I personally don't believe you're ready to go full time. Some people have different models. And so what would happen is when I initially re started reselling, right? You know, I would spend money here. I'd spend money there. You know, I'd pull out that wad of money like, you know, and, and it's just like, why? Like, why did I do that? And then I was using an inkjet printer. Mm. Right. And it's like, First of all, how much, how much, I, the time doesn't bother me. People talk about the time. I'm like, it's only like not even more than three seconds. You might lose mine. No, that's not true. It's way more than that. Oh, no, come on. No, it's way, the, not this just not it, 1985 with dot matrix. Yeah, but we're, we're not talking about like just the time that it takes to physically print the paper, but to cut and then to tape. No, no, that's another, that's another thing. So there's ways around that was still using inkjet. So I was going to bring that up. No, that's a good point. So let's say you didn't do that. So let's say you bought the, I don't know, what do you call it? There's these, there's these papers that are like stickers, mm -hmm. right? And you can print on those and those save you time. Yeah. Like if I could now, we're talking about resetting. So if I were to reset in the very beginning, I would either A, buy a thermal printer or B, have a laser jet and make sure I have that sticky paper. Because man, the amount of tape that I wasted my poor ears having to hear the not a terrible sound. Well, I mean, you, you still use a ton of tape because, man, you you <clears throat> tape your packages. Okay. We go to the the uh, postal office here in the, the same town annex? that you're at. No, oh, no, no, no. The uh, just like the regular post office. Oh yeah. And uh, we see your boxes all the time, and it's very clear <laughs> they're yours because there's like twelve wraps of of eBay tape around the the box. That's too like, funny. Wow. That's too. Orlando's been in today. <laughs> <laughs> it cracks me up. Well, because 
So a lesson I learned a long time ago was little more tape is worth you making sure that your package is safe than skimping on the tape. And then you have to deal with the whole mess. You lose a whole bunch of time and lose money. That's the only reason. True. Especially with Amazon FBA shipments. Like I don't play around like that stuff is getting there safe. Okay. So going back to that. So I would run lean. I would run lean. Now, if you know, you're, you're married or you have a, a girlfriend, boyfriend that's, you know, their love language is gifts. And I don't know, maybe that's worth it to you. You know, maybe you got to think about that. But if it's not, you can work as a team and you can run lean. I would just keep reinvesting that money, reinvest that money. Because what happens is the more capital you have, the greater advantage you have in buying, the better inventory you're going to get and the greater profit margins you're going to get. Yeah. And there's a, because we're kind of talking about two things right now. We're talking about yeah, that's true. methods as far as running lean. And then we're talking about the reinvestment of capital. And both of those things, they do go together. And I think there's a balance. There's a, a shifting point in your reselling. And, and it's impossible to say, like, I can't give you like a, when you get to this point, then change over to this. I think it's easier to give somebody an exact point when it comes to like getting an eBay store. Because it's like, if, well, if your listings are more than, if you're paying more for extra listings than a store would cost, get the store. But this is a little different. And I feel like there's a, a point when it might be better to be buying more inventory, to reinvest your capital, buy more inventory. And then you'll get to a place because maybe maybe the amount of time you're able to give to sourcing, the amount of time you're able to actually do to that, like for those things, isn't very high yet. Or maybe you don't have enough inventory. So spending an extra minute per package sending out isn't hurting you at all, mm -hmm. right? So you'd be sure. better off buying more inventory. <clears throat> but then you're going to come to a place where saving an extra minute or two per item is actually going to benefit you in the long term, whether that's having a lighting box, whether that's having the right kinds of tape dispensers, having the right boxes all organized. Like those things can wait when you've only got 10, 20, 30, 50 items. It depends on where you're at and how fast your items are selling. But then there's going to come a point where it's like, okay, how much time do I spend setting up this photo thing and removing backgrounds or touching up photos as opposed to if I were to spend a hundred dollars and get a light box, um, like the one that, that I use and you use, you got, you got mine for me as a gift <laughs> for, I think it was Christmas one year. Um, those are so nice, but if you're only taking 10 pictures a month and you're not listing very much, maybe it's not worth it. Maybe even not for 50 if 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 you've got some other cheaper setup and you need that capital to go buy more stuff at garage sales and thrift stores. But you're going to get to a point where you've got enough capital, you've got enough inventory that it's worth it for you. So you kind of got to find that for yourself. Um, but I think running lean to start with, like I wouldn't recommend somebody when they first start going and buying a light box if, if they're they don't have enough inventory yet. You you can find other ways, whether it's poster boards or things like that, to get really decent quality photos. Um, and that $100 might get you enough inventory to take it up the next level. So there's that that fine point you kind of have to find. And you know, I think every business deals with that. When to buy new equipment, when to expand. Do you get the next building down the street and expand your, your, your business? Or do you just pump more money into the business you have. Like those are decisions companies make all the time. Uh, and you just got to find that where that is for you. So I think running lean as you can for as long as you can and only upgrading equipment um, as it becomes cost efficient and as it becomes time and energy efficient. I agree. I just wouldn't be a miser again. You know, like the light box, that was a game changer. Yep. Game changer. And I didn't get a light box until I had, I think over a thousand items. I should have gotten the light box when I was like at a hundred. Mm. Right. And also, you know, I'm thinking about not, not light box, but okay. Scale scales. Easy. We already talked about like that's a non-negotiable in the beginning, but yeah, with the printer thing, I save so much time. It's one of the reasons I'm able to crank stuff out. Now I still don't have a thermal printer. So <laughs> I but, thought you got one. 
Well, I have, okay, so I want to talk about Amazon a little bit. So this is what, if I could reset the clock with Amazon, I would have right away probably had some of the equipment. I, and Amazon's, I think, is a way bigger upfront cost, right, than eBay. So if I was doing Amazon again, I definitely would have gotten a scanner. I definitely would have used Inventory Lab. Those are the two that I, without a doubt, would have started with, mm. right? Because I, I really feel that I left a lot of money on the table. And I feel that I really didn't know my numbers well and I lost a lot of money. Right. And so if I were to reset the clock again, I would run lean. So for instance, I may, I may not spend money on going out. I may not spend money on this and this and this, but I will definitely buy the equipment, which is going to make me more money in the long run. So you got it. You got to think about the boat, about the two. Yeah. It's delayed gratification, right? Like you could say like, Hey, I can take my family out for a nice steak dinner tonight, or I could buy new equipment and two months from now have scaled up to the point where I could take my family out for a nice dinner every week. You know, the same amount, like that same money, that same hundred dollars for, you know, the, the dinner versus a hundred dollars for equipment. That's going to let you make an extra 50% every week on your income, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's a big deal. So yeah. So, so run lean in your, in your, whatever you can as far as personal and, and just ex- discretionary funds, um, try and cut those down. And even in your business, keep it as tight as possible. There's no reason. I mean, I know some people, you, you've told me a story of, of people starting and they start like, and, and as soon as they start, they're installing big bubble wrapper holders on their walls that mm-hmm. pull down and you, you just might not be there yet. Now you might get to a place where that makes sense for you if you're shipping enough stuff out, but to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars right off the bat on something, you're not sure if that's going to be efficient. You know, it's not necessarily worth it. So I kind of feel like we left it open-ended, but you have to think what's right for your business, right? That you got to see if you could reset right now, what would you do? Yeah. And then that might even be the thing for you now. Like if, if, if let's say you've been selling for a long time and you think, yeah, if I were to restart, I would have gotten this item and I wouldn't get this item. Then maybe now's the time to think, what are some tools that could help you now that you haven't got yet that you're kind of holding back on, but you might be looking back five years from now saying, man, I wish I would have got that back then. I was at that point and I put it off, right? So what are some tools? What are some some things you can use to increase your selling to, to maybe it's a storage unit, maybe it's something else. Maybe it could be any number of things. Like just to give you an example, and, and I'm sure I'll talk about this on an update episode pretty soon, um, but I'm planning on taking some of my business capital and building literally a reselling awesome. trailer, right? And it's going to be, it's going to, I mean, it's going to be small. It's not going to be huge, but it's going to be able to hold several totes. The back door is going to open. I've already got it envisioned how I'm going to do it. I'm going to have a light box built into the back door. So it just folds down and I can take pictures right as soon as I get things at thrift stores if I want to, or if I'm out and about. Uh, and that way I can travel across the country, be, be sourcing the whole time and fill up this trailer um, and that's going to be a business expense. It's probably going to cost me $1,500 or so to, and, and I know that sounds like actually not like a lot for a trailer, but I'm, I'm building up a Harbor Freight one. I'm going to do a whole YouTube video on it. It's going to be, be awesome. cool. Uh, but it, it's going it, to, that's a lot of my capital to go away for something that's going to take some time. But I figure a couple of trips where I take a week and I just drive across the country or drive from state to state and I'm hitting thrift stores along the way, that trailer is going to pay for itself so fast. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I, I mean, I can't, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be sweet. Else. But should so, I paint it and like have it say Pure Hustle Podcast on yes, the side? Yes, definitely. So find us on all planets. No, it'll be great. Okay. What about inventory? What? Uh, so if I were to reset, I would only source stuff I care about. And that's what I'm doing right now. I know that sounds crazy. And maybe because I have a pipeline and I have plenty of inventory. 
So maybe in the beginning, I don't know. I'm just thinking this through. Maybe in the beginning, you got to source stuff you don't care about. But I will tell you, I'm more willing to get through death piles when it's stuff that I care about. Yeah, I think there's something to be said there. Um, I, I think I'd push back a little bit because, okay. you know, I might not care at all about women's jeans or cosmetics or certain collectibles. But if I know there's money there, I'm going to pick it up every time. Right. So I'm not going to not source another certain things. And we've talked about them over and over. But VCRs or certain things where it's like it, it's it's literally like a drain on your life going through and testing. If you don't find joy out of those things then yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. But there's other things like you might not love, like I love board games, but there's some board games that I'm like, this is the worst board game ever, but it sells and I'll pick it up. Or like I said, it might be, you know, women's clothes or it might be something that I have absolutely zero like vested interest in or zero, but the, my interest is the profit I can make. So you might not love duck decoys at all, but if I guarantee if you walked no, into I'll a garage, duck stuff, decoys. yeah, yeah. So but board games, I, I use board games. I can't stand them. Mm. No, I get the that, work yeah. it takes. Like I just, I listed one last week just because it was profitable, but it sat in my storage unit for over a year. I'll give you a a, a, a trick. I do this all the okay. time with board games, especially old used board games. Um, we kind of we don't count all the pieces unless it's like a game that we know we can make a ton of money on if it's complete. Mm -hmm. But we open it up, we look at it, we take pictures of what's inside, and we put in the thing. Um, not sure if complete. Here are the pictures of the items it's in. You're buying this knowing that it may or may not be complete. And nice. they still sell all the time. And you haven't had any problems? Never had. No I, one complains? The only time I've had complaints is when okay. I've... And it's only happened one time. I listed a game as complete. And I went through and I thought it was complete. But it was missing like one little wooden piece. And um, it was a, a ticket to ride game. And there was nothing I could do. Like I thought... I, it it seemed like it was all there. It was A lot of stuff was still, was still in packaging. But now that I put... Not sure if complete. You're buying this knowing... Because there's some people who, who are collectors. Like same thing with like you know, collectible boxes, right? Some people want, there, there can't be a dent on the box. Yeah, yeah. Some people are going to open up and play with the toy and they don't care if there's a dent on the box. It's the same thing. Like some people are like, yeah, if it's, if a Monopoly board is missing one $20 piece, who cares? Cause who uses all of them anyways? And other people are going to be like, I need it to have every single piece, you know? So interesting. That's a great point. I mean, that that's helpful. Right? So I have no board games right now, but if I do, Obviously, with puzzles, you can't do that, though. No, no. I <laughs> that would that. be the worst. Yeah. So not on puzzles. So, But for me, I do find, now that I have a bunch of inventory, that I'm in a place where I now I will pick up stuff that I'm like, oh, it's just profitable. And yeah, it's not profitable. It'll, it'll just sit there. Now, as a result of what's going on, I've listed a lot of those items, and it's been profitable, but I'm, I'm getting pickier. And what I find is, as I'm getting pickier... I'm understanding my niches more. So for instance, there's a certain niche right now that there's like three or four that creeps up in a lot of the items that I buy. And I always know that it's junk, right? But that's because I'm sourcing stuff that I enjoy. And so now I can pick it up, right? So let's say it was shoes, right? I know certain, like there's certain brands that are money, but within those brands, there's certain styles that are no money, right? And so part of, for me, if I could reset things, and not pick up everything that's profitable and just hone in on a few, it would allow me to not buy a lot of junk, which in the back in the day, anything that like, for instance, I'll give you examples like with Hawaiian shirts, there are certain brands that are a lot of money, but not just just because that brand is money doesn't mean that every type of shirt in that brand is worth something. Yep. Right. So I've been able to pick up on that. And I it's funny because a lot of people hate on, <laughs> on clothing, but I love selling clothing. It's weird. I, you know, I, am I a fan of the pictures and the measurements? No, but 
I like sourcing it. And I, I, and again, I'm not a fashionista or anything. I just think certain things are cool and nineties and, and vintage and all that. So I would say I would source things. Number one, that are well-researched, right? I mean, we both have talked about in so many podcasts, how we, we bought a lot of junk in the beginning because we thought it was cool. The second thing I would reset is I would definitely find stuff I'd be willing to list right away instead of just letting it sit for a long time. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know, what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with List Perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, You need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, So first of all is List Perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our... our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, you're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, and your your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. Yeah, it's good. I like it. All right. What about ASP? Is that, would you do ASP different? You know what I mean by ASP? Average selling price? Um, and I don't know, not to start with, uh, to start with, and it depends if you, if you've got like, I've got $5,000 in capital. I want to start this business. It looks very different than the way I started, which was, Hey, I want to make 500 bucks this summer, or I want to start this little hobby thing. So I've got fifty dollars to spend to start with, right? And so when that's the the case, I don't I don't know if I would have been so picky. Now now looking back, if I knew I would have scaled this much, if I had more access to to inventory or to capital, I might have. There would have been a lot of items that I currently have in inventory that I wouldn't have purchased because it's like I'm going to make five dollars on this item when it sells, right? Yeah. But a five dollar profit on an item, you know, I picked up for fifty cents and it's going to sell for five fifty. When I'm first starting out. That's a huge change on my capital, right? I'm, I watch my capital grow really, really quickly because percentage-wise, that's huge when you're looking at how small I'm starting. Right? I can go from $50 to $100. I've doubled my capital even only if I'm making 5 to $6 per item, right? Okay. Now, yeah, then there's the idea of like, okay, like maybe you, I could have bought different things where it's like I'm only if I make $20 an item or only if I make $50 an item. That's obviously great. 
but you're not finding as many of those. So I was willing to, to just turn stuff over quickly in the beginning to build that capital. Um, if I had access to more capital or if I'd have thought it would have come to this place uh, as quickly as it did, yeah, I probably would have picked up items and not have gotten so many things that are only going to sell for six or $7 and I'm going to make a $4 profit on. You know, I would have picked up things that are going to sell for $40 and I'm going to make a 20 or $30 profit on. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of both. Like if I could reset things, I do sell a lot of cheaper items, but I, that's because it, I feel it triggers the algorithm, right? More sales conversion. But yeah, I, I mean, but you know how it is when you first start reselling, like you buy something for one and you sell it for 15 and you're like, wow, like I'm making $10 net profit. Right. But over time, like if your store and some of you may have that and if it works for you, it works for you. But my model right now is like if I sell five to 10 items in a day, like I'm really good. It takes care of the bills. Right. But that's because I've hired ASP. So my ASP isn't that great right now. It's about forty nine dollars and some change per item. But, you know, my cost is less than ten dollars on each of those items. Right now, I do have some retail arbitrage where I paid a little bit more, but it's nice not to have to work so hard. Like you, if you can reset and make sure that you don't have, have created a sweatshop or, you know, you're a hamster on the wheel, it's better that way because you can burn out really quick reselling if all you have is lower end items. Yeah, it, it's. Yeah, I mean, to think you're probably you have a higher ROI a lot of times on lower price items. Now, occasionally you get really yeah, lucky and you buy an item that you know, it's a $50 average sale price and you're actually, you know, you bought it for 50 cents. That occasionally happens, right? But more often than not, it's something you buy, like you said, for 10 or 15 bucks. So your return on investment isn't as high as when you buy something for 50 cents and you sell it for $10, right? Like that's a huge increase ROI. Um, and when you're first starting out, it's a time consideration too. When you're only selling a few items a week, it's fine because it doesn't take, you know, yeah, it's going to take me 10 minutes to box this up and ship it. Uh, and you know, it takes some time, takes time to take pictures. Once you are moving more and more inventory, then that adds up quickly. So that's where, when you hear people who, um, and it's kind of, I'm a little envious of it. And I don't know, part of me is thinking, do I, do I start to shift my, my business model this direction and still do the treasure hunting, only looking for higher profit items. But when you hear of the people who it's like, they've got 10 or 15 items total every month, but they're, when they make one sell, it's like, yeah, I made like nine hundred dollars on this item you know oh man i, I gotta tell you i wish like i know craigslist center had mentioned somebody that sold watches right and they just need to sell two or three good watches and they're, they're good for the month yep. like that would be that would be phenomenal so or or, or i think he, uh, he also mentioned like like vintage musical equipment but you've got to oh, know those right. niches you, yeah. you have to know like and if you're already specialized in it then then you're you're golden but it's again it's a, a risk reward thing so when you're only you know Basically, it's not gambling because it's it's more secure than that. But when you're well, like it's way more secure, well, but but when you're like okay, ten dollars, and I might make money on this. But if it doesn't sell in the next three years, I lost ten bucks. When you buy something for five hundred dollars and it doesn't sell for the next three months, and that was all of your capital, that's rough, you know. Whereas, yeah, when you really know the niche, I mean, my brother-in-law, he came up the other day. Um, drove up because his his uh him and his wife are pregnant which is amazing so they kind of did like the drive up and like wave at us you know and like hey we're pregnant you know and like social distancing but uh, we got to kind of see them and he was telling me that he got these dirt bike things these like pit bikes 
and he bought one for 500 bucks. He bought another one for 1200 bucks. The one he bought for 500 bucks, he's going to sell for $3,000. The $1,200 one is going to be able to sell for like 25. And he knows motorcycles. He can fix it up, take some 15 minutes in the garage, do a tune up. Oh man. So it'd be great, but that's not, that's not nothing I know. I'd be looking up motorcycles forever and not knowing it's a good deal or not. But if you know the niches, there's money to be made. But if, if you, that's a lot of capital, it's like $2,000 in capital right off the bat for two items. And what if you buy duds? If I bought duds in the beginning, <laughs> it didn't matter. It was five or 10 bucks. Sorry. I was getting excited for two reasons here. Yeah. You're over there shipping and or selling and no, I was, I was, I was in a bidding war. Like it's did you been, win? I did win. Good job. I lost yesterday, mm. but here's the thing. The bidding is exciting. And so we'll get back to our stuff, but I had something that was at a lot of something that was at 20 something. And I put in a bid that was like 60 bucks over and I still lost. And I put in that bid with three seconds left. So this time I put like $80 over and I won. I didn't have to pay all that money. So I'm, ex- I'm excited. And we'll talk about that. This is another hustle of the week I just got. Nice. So, all right. But here, but I 100% agree with you because I had a friend of mine. It's so funny. We were, we go garage and he's not a reseller. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, let's go. And and he picked up uh, those RC cars. He knows uh-huh. RC cars. So... He flipped it, but the way he flipped it, he gave it to another guy, and the guy gave him uh, like a broken down, uh, what do you call those desert things that you drive in the desert? Doom Sand rail? I don't know. But it was one of those, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. I See, I don't know him, but he picked that up, and then he flipped that. All it needed is a little bit tweaking on the engine, flipped it for 2500 Then with that 2500 he bought like a OJ Bronco, and he's probably listening to the podcast, and I'm like... He understood, he understood a niche, yep. right? And he loved it. Like it didn't bother him to do that. So not saying that has to be an example, but I really believe there has to be kind of a nice balance between, between the two. So, but average selling price, like, man, I, it, it's not everything. Sell through is, I think sell through is more important. Like you don't want to buy a bunch of stuff that's just going to sit forever. You want to buy stuff that will sell. So I definitely would reset and make sure that when you're looking at eBay comps, you're not looking at you know, if something's sold, but you're looking at how often is it selling? Yeah, it's good. So, all right. Hey, it's almost that time. Yeah. But before we do that time, I know Mike's ready. I just wanted to get Mike ready to press it. Hey, if you haven't been following us on social media, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok as PRSO Podcast. We are on Twitter as PRSO Cast. Uh, we are on YouTube. So if you listen to the podcast, you ever want to check us we out? Are? We are on YouTube. Oh, well, all thirty three sixty of our subscribers yeah, know we're on YouTube. You you, uh, you might not know that if uh, even if you're subscribed, if you haven't hit that bell notification, because the subscription actually doesn't do anything unless you hit the notifications. Uh, it just kind of makes our numbers look higher. Uh, but when you hit the notification, you'll get an email. You're getting alert when we drop new videos. So, uh, yeah, if you that's you know, so weird. Why is it like that? I don't know. It's, it's kind of like people follow us on Instagram. They're like, we didn't know you went live because we didn't hit the notifications. Yeah like what oh so if you want to know when we go live on instagram you got to hit the notifications so do that and then uh hey maybe you'll get a chance to check out mike's super trailer yeah the PSL podcast travel trailer extravaganza trip of the year <laughs> wow so are, are me and you gonna get to do a road trip sometime mm, no he does not like competition he just does not like competition all right hey also you can email us and actually one of the hustle of the week today came from our emails so Pierce a podcast at gmail.com and also give us a call 619-738-1170. And uh, again, thank you for the reviews. Appreciate every single one of them. And, uh, you know, just thankful that you continue to tune into the podcast. Even after our last episode, it was all right. Our level up review. I'm surprised that, you know, like it turned out okay. 
Yeah. We'll see as more people listen. <laughs> we haven't. No. If you haven't caught our last one, Can You Think and Grow Rich? Check it out. Actually, we've gotten more listens on that level of review than our most recent ones. Hmm, nice. So, hey, appreciate that. Thank you, guys. All right. It is that time for. Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. All right. And if you're new to our podcast, our hustle of the week are where we share listeners. And when they have made major profit on an item that they found or they end up sourcing items at for a good deal or any other kind of hustle of the week. It doesn't have to be specific, but it's kind of reseller related. So what do we got, Mike? All right. So our first one is B Instagram handle at humblebee uh, underscore debt free. It's a great name. Uh, picked up a bread maker at the store that shall not be named. Dun, dun, dun. On half off day a few months back. Man, that must be nice to be right, at a place that has that. Uh, the stores that should not be named here. When we ever ask, like, do you guys have running any sales? They're like, a what? There's no sales. Huh? There's no tag days. There, no. There's nothing. So anyways, they have a half day. I, I would say you could probably name that store wherever you're at. They, they've earned the name there. Uh, decided to list it uh, this past week. Cost $4.50 and sold it on Mercari for $115. That's great. I mean... That, that is, that's a great sale. It's one of those things that a lot of people overlook, like the kitchen area, oftentimes, whether it's coffee stuff. I mean, again, it's got to be the right stuff because you're going to find, you know, Mr. Coffee or Coffee Mate stuff. So if you like, miss what it is, it's a bread maker. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, with things like that, like you can see that stuff and yeah, you might think like, oh, it's KitchenAid, I'll pick it up. But you got to check if you don't know things like that, if you don't know certain mixers or or bread makers or things like that, it doesn't hurt to learn because oftentimes those are things that people overlook because they're running to VCRs, they're running to sound equipment or they're running to shirts, right? Like you might be able to find uh, some profit there. So $450 to $1 or $115, that's a, that's a killer profit. Good job. Humblebee debt free underscore in between. Hey, but I also wanted to say it's a bolo like right now, like think about it. So that was picked up months ago, just listed recently. And right now what I'm hearing is that bread makers, there's all kinds of people looking for bread makers, right? Because instead of going to the grocery store right now, they can just make their own bread at home. Right. And so getting a bolo out of this episode too. Yeah. And let me give you a free um, little tip that might help you out here. It may or may not, depending on where you're at. So um, things are starting to get better in a lot of grocery stores. Uh, but for a while, certain things like flour and things like that, you couldn't even find. Like even people, ice cream. Yeah. So check out test because my sister-in-law did this and it worked. She got like crazy good hookup. Um, she called around to like a wholesaler, like a, like a food wholesaler that sells ingredients to restaurants huh. and called the wholesaler and was like, Hey, like, I can't get flour anywhere. I know you're a wholesaler, but do you have any that you can sell? And they were they were like, uh, yeah, we've got so much inventory that we can't offload because so many restaurants hey, that wait, we normally this sell is, this to. This is our FBA bolo for us. Is it? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I was able to pick up like a 100-pound bag of flour for like $8 or something what? crazy like that, you know? So don't be afraid to reach out to, to places. This is the time to like reach out and you never know. You might make some connections and uh, have a Amazon FBA bolo. That... <laughs> That tip in itself is worth listening to the entire episode. You're welcome. I mean, I, I'm glad I showed up for the podcast to listen to that. I didn't are you, know. That. Are you going to call some uh, some food wholesalers? No, because I don't sell food. Just because you know, I always worry about that person that's going to choke on a Dorito chip. But they, I that anyways. 
that's for another podcast we are planning about discussing about how to shift in the game. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Thanks again, B. Really appreciate bread makers. Keep an eye. That's a major profit right there. All right. So this one is, we have like a, lo- we need to do a meetup in this location. This is in Australia. So Shannon from the Gold Coast of Australia emailed us and shared it with us her bolo. And I verified her bolo because she told us her store name and, and she has some legit stuff. Like, look at this stuff. Like, this is some, some high-end expensive stuff. So they have a lot of car boot sales. So car boot sales are kind of like... It's like a trunk sale, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't do those here. We don't do those, but they do those, I guess, wherever the British Empire was at one point in time, right? Or is? Well, weren't they technically in America yeah. too? Yeah, but we don't have boot sales or trunk yeah. sales. We can't say wherever the British Empire okay, was. Okay, all right, wherever they ruled past post seventeen seventy six or seventeen eighty nine or that was a cutoff. Twelve after or whatever. That point, after that point, boot sales came into place. Yes, so if you were before then, after that. All right, so purchase two pairs of earrings for fifty cents each. Fifty cents. Don't you miss garage sales right now? Miss garage sales. All right. So she had said, Shannon said, if you buy secondhand jewelry, you'll know what I mean when I say it had all the hallmarks that looked promising, right? So sometimes things say sterling silver or they say gold or you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not a jewelry person. That's something I really wish I could get into because I really believe I leave money on the table all the time with jewelry. So she also said, sometimes you buy a lot of fake stuff. And that's the reason why I don't want to get into jewelry. But came across these two pieces and then paid for a valuation. So went to a jeweler, paid $40. One of the earrings was valued at $3,900. The other one was valued at $3,400. Sold the first pair for for $850 shipped. Now, you might ask, why did Shannon sell it for so cheap? Here's the thing. She paid 50 cents, right? And sometimes if I could reset the clock, and we'll talk about this in part two, is... I would keep that cash flowing, right? Because so you're advocating a little bit more uh, fast knuckle, a little bit more. Right. We'll, we'll talk about that. So, and this quarantine made me do that, and uh, I see it more. So, eight hundred—that's a fifty cents to eight hundred fifty Australian dollars. So, I did the you know the conversion. It's still five hundred eighty dollars American dollars, five hundred thirty-eight dollars. That is good money. So, Shannon, nice flip, and it was worth it to you, right? To spend. The $40 for valuation, you know? Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's good too, to, to think that you can do that <clears throat> kind of stuff. Um, I think when you first start off, you're maybe a little bit afraid of that. Um, spending a little bit of money up front to make yourself more valuable. Once you have that valuation, and yeah, maybe you would have lost on that, but that makes the total price on on the earrings uh, $20.25, you know? So yeah. that's not too bad. Um, all right. Our next one comes from Nick, IG handle at the underscore resell underscore rookie uh, went to the Salvation Army with an hour left before closing, uh, which goes to show you can sometimes get some crazy hustles Seriously? and scores towards the end of the day, even sometimes garage sales. Uh, so decided to rescan an area. Uh, that's always great too, is to think that like you can you can give up too early. Uh, sometimes it's better not to, especially if you know you can't get anywhere else in the time frame you have left. So rescans an area and saw a box tucked away. Um, opened the box and found an espresso machine with all of its accessories. The price tag was twenty nine ninety nine, but decided to ask. So uh, he was friendly with the staff and mentioned that buying something like that used espresso machine. It's a little bit risky. You never know what's going to happen with it if it actually works. Um, asked to work on the price and got it down to fifteen dollars. So Nick tested it. Uh, he cleaned it. 
You ran it with water until it was empty, listed it, uh, almost sent an offer to watchers after a couple of months, but it sold for full price at $400 plus shipping uh, for a $15 purchase. That's amazing. Again, uh, kitchen stuff, it's it's potentially a great bolo, a great right thing to be looking out for. Him. People want espresso machines. People want Starbucks machines. Now, he had a Rantilio. I think it's Rantilio. Rantilio. Espresso machines. Those are money. Yeah, it's good. So nice find, Nick. Good I, job. Man, and I can't, I remember my first espresso machine. I paid 80 bucks for it. I flipped for over 300 and it's work. It was a pain. Like I had to go on YouTube. Luckily, we have YouTube, right? And you learn how to like clean and sanitize things. And uh, but yeah, the, all these all these flips are great flips. So what about you? What about your hustle of the week? <clears throat> uh, so mine went up as an Instagram story earlier this week, um, and and it actually wasn't like the most profitable item that I sold. But I think it's something to talk about now um, because maybe this is something and and kind of giving a bolo here too. Um, so I purchased a. Uh, bull Chicago Bulls hat mm -hmm. for like $2 at a thrift store. And it was like, they'd won three championships back to back. It was old. It was dingy. I uh, put it up for 50 it was, bucks. It was pretty dingy. It was pretty dingy. Put it up for $50 and it had $6 shipping. Um, and it's been sitting around and it just sold like without question, full price. And I was like, man, that's sweet. So I thought that was a pretty sweet hustle. And then come to find out uh, there's a new documentary for Michael Jordan. And so, um, you know, now might be the time. If you've got Michael Jordan stuff, uh, get it listed if it's or sitting any around. Chicago Bulls. So yeah. it's, the documentary is The Last Dance. It's on ESPN. Uh, they're sponsoring this podcast. And no, I'm joking. But, uh, and if you can get a VPN uh, that's outside of the country, you can watch it on Netflix. Nice. So maybe that's I'm why it's all gone up. Maybe I'm giving away somebody's uh, niche right now, but I think at this point, by the time this episode we already, airs, I did an Instagram yeah. post today. Um, <laughs> it's too late. But what I was going to say though is, now might be the time. Like I almost thought about it. It was actually one of our um, one of our Instagram followers who made a comment and told me about the fact that there was this documentary, and then Orlando mentioned a little bit later. Uh, but when things like that happen, being being connected with what's going on with pop culture is really good. Because yeah, when like the new Lion King movie came out, I sold some Lion King stuff. Yeah, me too. But what you got to realize is. When those things come, if you can kind of foresee it, might be the time to buy some stuff on eBay, on auction, stuff that's really cheap, put in some offers before that thing, before it drops. Like if you can kind of know what's about to be big or what's starting to get big. So who knows? Maybe there's still some people who've got some Chicago Bulls stuff on eBay that are listed cheap. Maybe they haven't caught on yet. It hasn't sold yet. Might be willing to buy it and then flip it for more. So if you can have your finger on uh, your your finger on the pulse, what's going on in culture, uh, you can jump on those things instead of finding out later. Because I could have maybe got more money on that hat had I have known that this documentary was coming out was going to be a big deal. Uh, but sports is just not my thing. Uh, but it just goes to show like, if you know what's big, if you know what's kind of in the works, it can make a huge impact on uh, the things that you could actually be sourcing. Right, buy it on eBay before the rush happens. So it's interesting that that happened today because immediately after that happened. So I, you know, I did my Instagram story last night and then I didn't even know you posted until later. And I, I did see uh, one of our uh, listeners that had messaged you and I was going to get back to him. I didn't know he was messaging you. And so I go back and I'm like, wait, Chicago Bulls, Jordan, I need to get back. So I went to my store and I added the keyword last dance to every single Bulls item that I have. And then I had... You know, I was watching the documentary. I have the exact same pair of Jordans in my personal collection that he's wearing on and one of the shots. And I'm like, list it. You're not uh, a sneakerhead, man. What are you doing? I was a sneakerhead, though. That's why I was a sneakerhead before it was cool to be a sneakerhead. Now I have no knowledge about wow, sneakers. Very hipster of you. 
Well, no, I had the I, Allen Iverson. I had the Nike Cortez. I was a different kind of, I was a 90s. I did it before it was cool. I did. I did. it, And I didn't keep up with it because, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I came back from college and all my stuff was gone. But, uh, so I have that pair of Jordans and I'm like, oh, did I list it? But I, I, you know, I have some starter jackets. I have stuff and well, I'll keep you guys posted. Maybe it'll be the next hustle of the week. Yeah. So good stuff though, by the way. Thank you. So my hustle of the week is kind of related to how I, uh, yeah, I was kind of rude with my bidding war during the podcast. Unacceptable. But I've been sourcing online like crazy. It's been awesome. Like the, the margins I'm getting on stuff. So what happened a week ago? And I, I did I share this on, on the podcast, on the show with Daily Refinement? Or is it just after hours I shared about those auctions that I forgot about and then I scored? Can't remember. I think it was after the podcast or after, after the show. It was like, so auctions are one of the best ways to source good inventory on eBay. And you have to know, you know, certain niches so you know it's valuable. So I was watching four auctions and the price was okay. They had, I, what I find with auctions, a lot of people charge a lot of money shipping on auctions. Like, I guess it's like, hey, I'm going to lose money anyways. I'm going to charge a lot on shipping. I kind of think some of that's the old school eBay mentality. I think a lot of times when people do auctions, I almost feel like it's people returning to eBay that don't necessarily have a huge store. Okay. Right? okay. Um, and I feel like when I first started or heard about eBay, it was always like an item's only 99 cents with $29.99 shipping. Right. And it's like, well, you can buy that item for 30 bucks. Like, so they're, they were trying to like make up for ah, it. And so I think yeah, some yeah. people still kind of have that mentality. Like if I start the bidding low, people will get it and I'll have my shipping really high. And that'll, that's where I'll make my money. Okay. So that's what this person did. And then I forgot. And so I'm like, oh man. So I go, they relisted their auctions at a lower price. I'm like, I'm wondering how long this has been sitting here. So I messaged them. I said, hey, listen, I'm willing to buy all the items you have on all four auctions. And I, I so I broke my own rule. I gave them a price. So I said, hey, I'll do it for this much free shipping. And I, it was a low, like low, like it was a low anchor. I thought they were going to say no because I, I did message somebody earlier in the week and I tried to do the same thing. And they're like, no, we're the cheapest on eBay. We'll give you free shipping, but we're not budgeting the price. I'm like, all right, whatever. Never hurts to ask, by the way. So then they get back to me like, yeah, sure. No problem. Right. I'm probably going to be able to sell one of those items and recoup all my money. That is the cost on these items. Then on top of that, they said, yeah, I also have a bunch of items I picked up from the same estate sale. I kind of just want to get rid of them. I'm going to throw them in there for free. So I'm getting... A, Almost sounds too good to be true. It That's does. Nice. It does. It does. I was kind of worried like, okay, are, you know, are they going to take my money and I'm never getting my shipment? So I did check. And today I got an alert from eBay that says your item is going to arrive earlier. So... We will see. Yeah. Right. But here's the thing. It's it's a hustle because I just so and I'm being I know it sounds like I'm being super secretive, but man, we don't share retail bolos. Stuff we source on eBay, we cannot share. That is the easiest way to access. Yeah. Right. We drop this right now and we don't have a ton of a ton of listeners. Well, all it takes is like 10% of the listeners and we killed our own market. Yep. Would you say, would you agree? Yeah. So hopefully you're vibing with us. Hopefully you're not upset. But all I'm going to have to do is sell that one item and I'm going to make super profit. So in all of that, keep an eye on auctions, learn niches. And if an auction like doesn't go through, like it, you know, is you forget about it or, you know, no one else bids. Now, some of them I've been able to be the only bidder and I win right away. 
be willing to ask. And uh, the way I asked him, I said, hey, listen, can you throw all this on one listing? So just take a couple pictures from each of your listings and just put, you know, how many of this item you're selling in the listing and I'll pay. Very important you do that because if they don't do that and there's a, you know, you end up getting ripped off, you have nothing to go, you know? So the extra five that you're going to throw them for free, they may change their mind. Yep. And it is what it is, but at least the other 12, they guaranteed better show up, you know? So that's good. It's good hustle. Hustle other week, man. And then this, this one today, Ooh, it's going to be good. I need to get on that, man. Not your, not your niche, but I need to get on uh sourcing on eBay. Been kind of lazy as far as that goes. But, and you were actually doing this before I was. Yeah. But I think what, what kind of deflated my bubble is I spent literally months looking up different niches and practicing and trying to see where, where I kind of thought I could find profit. And I found I, where I liked my sweet spot was certain items that were not so high demand that it's saturated. Yeah. But like, it's still tough. Like you can find good things, but they're a little bit longer tail. And, but the problem is a lot of those things right now people are buying. And so the market is saturated ah, and I'm not able, shame. I'm not able to get deals on them. Right. So it's kind of, it deflated my bubble a little bit. Cause it's like, man, I worked really hard to find these niches that right now I can't be sourcing. And so I kind of have to do all that work again and find another one to jump into. Uh, and you know, I need to do it, but, uh, it it's it can be a little discouraging for sure. I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay. Okay. Getting back to what we we're talking about resetting things. Are we gonna hit the reset button right now? Yes. All right. Reset is I would this is gonna sound like off because I'm just talked about running lean. I would have I would rather pay for my shipping supplies than go searching for them. And All right, but just just think about starting off the like well, that's what I mean. That's why this is tough because starting off, like you only have so much capital, right? And you got to save money. You have more time than capital, right? And right, like right now, I have three or four people that constantly supply me with stuff, right? But back then I didn't. But the only reason I say that, and I'll be quiet so you can share why you, you push back against it, is the time that I lost, I lost a lot of time. Hey, I'm going to go to this dumpster here and get this box or I need to find bubble wrap or I need to find now. Now it's like, I need something. It's right there right away. Like I'm not spending any time looking for stuff. It's instant. And I, I find that time is money, but again, it's been a few years. So, okay. What are we going to say though? Yeah. I think, I think I'd push back on that. I mean, if you're starting, I think most people don't start reselling, um, with just a huge amount of capital and like scale, like within a few weeks, like usually it's a long process. And so I think in the beginning, because it's like anything you got to buy, I don't even want to say bulk because bulk's the wrong word that implies that it's, it's like you're buying thousands of boxes at a time. But for instance, for us, we, we get the eBay boxes now and it's like five sizes that we use consistently. And so every month or two we're buying more sets, but it, they're fairly expensive for a box of 25 or a box of 50, however many you're getting at a time of an order, but you got to buy that many. You can't just buy like one box at a time. And so if you don't know, if you've got inventory various sizes, but you've only got eight items in your store and you were to buy boxes, like you're going to pay either an arm and a leg at a, at a <coughs> store and you're, it's going to cut into all your profit for individual box. If you went, walked into Walmart, I mean, an extra $2, $3 off it each profit. Up. Or you're like, well, I've got this item that would fit this box. So I'm going to buy 25 of those boxes on eBay. Who knows how long it's going to take me to get through those. But then I also got this item. So I got to get 25 of those boxes. And so I think when you're first starting off, there's nothing wrong with 
using boxes you have, recycling boxes, um, probably because you've got more time than you have inventory and capital. Once your inventory and capital are far beyond the amount of time you have, I think that's when you start to pivot. But I mean, when I first started, I was putting items in in grocery bags inside of the box and I was using you know newspapers that I had or my neighbor would give me newspapers and I was using that as the bubble wrap. Now, now the time it would take me to do that and, and use it, it's easier for me just to go buy a big old box of white paper where I don't have to worry about ink getting on stuff and I don't have to worry about storing this newspaper and, and tearing off pieces. I can just pull out but that's because I know I'm shipping 30 items or 40 items a week, as opposed to when I first started, it was like, I don't want to buy a $20 roll of paper if I don't know how long this stuff's going to take to sell. So I think there's, I think it goes back to the earlier one. I don't know if I would say. I don't know. I just, I just, I think about all the time I lost sometimes, you know? And uh, I mean, I remember going to the newspaper shop and asking for free newspapers and getting a bunch of newspapers and, and that worked out, but it took time. Right. Or, you know, and I, Franken boxes, like how many times did I have to create? And I still create Franken boxes, but how much time instead of just having a set box? Now, I will say the more you resell and the more you kind of hone in on just specific items, like I shared, like that's what I'm going to start doing or I've already started doing. Like I already know I have. All right. These hats, these boxes are just for hats or for certain size shoes or for blah, blah, blah. Right. These are for full shoe boxes or larger items. That are, so in time but i like it because i already have those boxes because especially when you're trying to you have volume of things to sell right spending that time man you you could you could burn yourself out yeah so anyways yeah but again we're talking about resetting right so you got to reset what works for your business all right what do you what about you let's let's go two more i think this is going to be a two-part episode do you think so there's that much more to talk yes, about to reset that's how bad it's been oh man Alana's got a lot he wants to change over here. He's got a lot of uh, he's got a lot of baggage in the uh, in his reselling past. I have I have plain loads of baggage. Uh, all right, anyway, right. so uh, that's I, for another podcast. I think what I would do if I could reset, um, I would I would spend time, especially in the beginning, and it's harder to do now because I know a little bit about so many niches. But in the beginning, when it's like okay, bread makers, right? see bread makers. Maybe you see bread makers at every store you go to. And I might look up a bread maker and I might see like, oh, there's a lot of money to be made in this one. I'd list it. I put it up and I don't even like do any more research on bread makers. And when you're first starting out, I feel like you have, because you don't have so much inventory, you don't have so much you're shipping out. I would say, okay, bread makers. I found one. It's profitable. Now I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes looking on eBay on all the different brands of bread makers, which ones, which models sell. And I'd learn everything I could in, in just a short amount of time. I mean, mm. I'm not talking about doing a lot yeah. of time, but I spent a little bit of time like that way. The next time I walk into a store, I could look at a bread maker and say, nope, nope, nope. Uh, and then if I see one, like, oh, I know that's worth money. Instead of every time I go into the store, having to look up the brand, because there's so many things where it's like, I know one or two brands in a category that sell. But if I'd have spent 20, 30 minutes looking up that category, I might know five or six brands that sell. And so... I think it would have saved me time because I had more time in the beginning than I had, you know, the capital and the other things going on. And I was, I was very naive and I looked at a lot of stuff and I looked up tons of things, but instead of just looking up something and saying, Oh, this, this one item isn't worth anything. Say, well, what in this category is worth stuff? I'll give you an example, like knife blocks, right? When I first started, um, I found a knife block that was worth a lot of money. And then I started, it was like, okay, maybe I can find some more knife blocks that are worth money. And every time I'd go into thrift stores, I'd see some knife blocks and I'd try and look them up. 
And I did so much research in the store where if I would have maybe spent a half hour looking up knife blocks on eBay, I would have found the two or three brands, the certain styles that sell for money. And then I wouldn't have spent any more time inside of thrift stores unless I saw those. Mm-hmm. You know, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, is this one worth money? Nope. Well, is this one worth money? And so I think that's a, a, a strategy I would have tried to implement earlier is learn, go a little bit deeper in, in categories instead of just knowing like, hey, I found one pair of hiking shoes that sell instead of saying, well, let's look up what, which three brands and hiking shoes are the, are the, the best, what sizes sell more often. And then I do less of the research in the wild and I could have been, you know, sourcing a little faster. I think that's a great point. I, I really do because, you know, it that definitely helps you get to a better level as a reseller than just the onesie twosie. It's it's so true because I'm telling you, knowledge is the game changer. Like once you get to a place where you're not taking out your phone as much, you're you're gonna be you're gonna be sourcing on a far different level, right? And a lot of our listeners are experienced sellers, and I would I think they would say the same. So that was good. Okay, I'm gonna share one. Uh, no, it's so hard. Okay. We'll end on we'll we'll, uh, we'll end on this one. I would be on social media, ASAP. Now, there's two sides to it, right? And we we shared this a little bit uh, on on a previous show we were on with Daily Refinement that there is so much I did not know. Like I watched a lot of YouTube. I watched a lot of YouTube. Like I mean, I would I'd probably say while I was part time and before we did the podcast probably like an hour or two of YouTube a day, not necessarily like sitting there watching it, but while I'm listing or while I was packing, you know, from all kinds. Of, and some of the people that we've had on our show were the people that I was watching and, and learning from, but social media allows you to be part of a community with so much knowledge and you may, you know, and some people do make the argument like I did better before I was on social media, but that I think part of it, do you just sell something Mike? Yeah. I sold a toy truck. Good for 40 you. 40 bucks. There you go. Did you charge shipping? Uh, this is why you should get on YouTube. Just so you can see Mike's face of elated joy. Yeah. $7 shipping. There you go. Nice. Good for you. See? It's, 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 a, good, it's a good episode. <laughs> yeah. All right. I sold the Brett Favre jersey while we were doing this. I don't know if I was super happy about that, but it's okay. It's old. All right. <laughs> Not as cool as a truck. All right. So going back to that. So social media. Social media can do two things. So for if uh, on the one end, if I could reset the clock, I would not compare myself to others. And I did that a lot in the beginning, especially in the Amazon game. Like everybody's about flexing those bar graphs, flexing their finds, da da da. But you don't know the profit. You don't know the profit. I, I want to say that over and over. Even with eBay, when eBay throw up those night and when they throw up those 90 day totals, it may say 30K, but they may have dropped 20K in their inventory. Right. So 90 days to make 10 K, it's not a lot of money. Really isn't. I couldn't pay the bills with that. Right. There are some people that have 20 K or let's say, yeah, 20 K for the 90 day total, but they go to the bins. And so they maybe spend less than a thousand dollars. Like that is really good. Right. And I think that might've been a little extreme, the example I'm giving, but I know some people that it's, it's pretty close to that. Right. So there is that end, but on the other end, you know, I'll give you an example. So we've had uh, Brad on here, son of a son of a seller, right? And I've contacted him about various things, about sports cards. I've contacted him about, you know, vintage stuff here and there and like stuff I've seen him pick up on social. I'm like, hey, I found this Lego store display. I saw that you picked one up a month ago and you sold it for uh, this much. 
why do you think that is? And then it gave me a better idea, like, you know, how should I list this? How much should I list this? Stuff that before, I mean, when it was just me and I was off of social media, all I had was eBay research. But that there's so much more to it, especially in trying to understand. And even with Amazon, you know, the the other side of Amazon is you're like, hey, everybody's sourcing this hot toy. I better get out there. Well, the lesson we've learned is if there's a hot toy on social media, it's not hot anymore. Mm. It's already done, right? But man, how many times have we been able to gain information from individuals just from just conversation on social media? That's good. So do you have anything you wanted to add to that? Um, I mean, I, I've got mixed feelings about social media. Yeah? I feel like okay. social media is, is, like you said, it's great for connecting with people, learning a ton of stuff. Um, and I think that I could probably do more as far as learning on social media. I, I, I say I probably lean more towards YouTube, but the problem with YouTube and I'll just be transparent, like the reason why social media might be better is it's oftentimes faster. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you're getting the most relevant up-to-date information, but then, yeah, there's the temptation of, um, do you know, uh, that the numbers are accurate or can you get kind of caught up in that trap of keeping up with the Joneses and I've got to be doing this and I got to do things this way. But that's a good, I think that's a good struggle, internal struggle to have because you can kind of learn like, what are the strategies I can take that this seller uses? What is some of the knowledge that I can gain or glean from this seller? Um, Ooh, I really like the way they do pictures. I mean, we're really good friends and you tell me things all the time. And sometimes I'll watch our Instagram and I'll see like, Oh, that's a cool tip. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like things that we don't always talk about, yeah. but I still see it on social media. So I think social media is great for those things. Um, I, I would just warn people, don't let social media become the thing that distracts you from the hustle, right? 100%. Like you got to find that balance. And if you can't, like for some people, it might be better to say, you know what, I'm going to do a little bit of research, social media, but give yourself a timeline. Say, I'm going to do 30 minutes a day. I'm not going to let it consume me. And then I'm going to spend the rest of the time actually listing, shopping, sourcing. Well, so, I, would, I would make sure you follow people that provide value that aren't just flexible. Right. Cause you want to, you know, you see the cool personalities, you're like, Oh, I want to follow them. But all they're showing, all they're doing is showing off. Right. But if, you know, I'll give you an example of someone that's really good the college picker, not for showing off, but man, that guy, have you watched his Insta stories? Like he's the other day, he's, he's fixing a Nintendo switch, like the Joy-Con controllers. I had no idea how to do that, but watching him do it. I'm like, okay, number one, he's a resource, right? If I ever want, if I have a problem with something, I can contact him. And number two, like I can learn a skill, right? That later on when I'm sourcing, you know, I'm at a garage and somebody's like, yeah, I'll sell you the switch for 10 bucks. It's just dead. It's a brick. Well, I can go home, spend 50 on some parts. And man, I have something I can flip. Well, right now you can flip for like $500, right? It's crazy right now how much you can flip those for. So, and that's what I mean with social media where before you were out of luck, you didn't have those options of like, who do I contact or where can I learn this? Where can I learn that? Uh, you know, I think about Hugo and Tiffany so quick, ship quick. If it wasn't for social media, I, I wouldn't have learned how to have a well-organized inventory system. Or I've learned a ton about women's clothing uh, from Tiffany. And I've learned about a lot about shipping from Hugo, right? So these are things that weren't accessible to me before because I wasn't on social media. So you're right. There is, there is a balance there about, hey, you know, how much time do I spend? Who would I follow? But I think in time, you begin to realize, okay, this individual here just wants to sell me a course. This person here just wants to flex. This person here is actually a real, real deal reseller, and they're actually looking 
to provide value and pay it forward. And that's what you need to look out for. Yeah. So if you're not already following Pure Hustle Podcast, <laughs> check us out. Yeah, and that was not... Maybe we're flexing. Maybe we're flexing all the time. Who knows? You know? But I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. That's not in my blood. I just... What are we going to flex? I mean, we still... Well, we don't got Lambos right now. So, you know, there was another thing hey, I wanted. I'm going to build a Harbor Freight enclosed trailer. Like, that, might that, not be a Lambo, but. That's going to be legit. <laughs> I can't wait. Now, I did want to share about resetting the clock, about slow down fast cycle, but we're going to have to wait for our part two of this episode. Yeah. So, apologies about that. But, hey, we don't want to rush through that. We wa- actually want to, you know, develop it and make flesh sure. It out. Flesh it out. and make sure we provide you the good info. So, hey, thanks so much for tuning in for us. And as always, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Please. Please.